0: even podcasts.
2: Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
3: Oh, it's another day and we are here live. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Of course, I am Ryan. Shira is out on vacay and I have Char Giselle, entertainment journalist and pop culture queen here for oh, the this week. Thank you. Hi, Ryan. Hi. Happy
4: Hump Day. I want to say Happy Tuesday, but I know we took Monday off. So yes, right? Happy Hump Day. We are smack dab in yeah. the middle of the week and the middle of the month.
3: And you know something? I hate jet lag. I have not been able to get my life together. And maybe today was probably the first day that I didn't feel like I was disgustingly tired and just dragging along. Yeah,
4: because you showed out yesterday. (laughs) Y'all didn't know. Y'all didn't know uh, T-minus six minutes before I was going on air, Ryan was taking a nap. But Ever the Professional ever the <laughs> professional, <laughs> he hopped up and delivered a powerful, <laughs> entertaining, and engaging four-hour show for y'all. Well, you
3: know, thank you very much. You know, I try to, you know, leave the, the. I'm like the man behind the curtain, very yes. wizard of eyes. You don't know what you're going to get. Yes. Um, but most definitely, I was tired. Um, But today, I have all the energy, and we have a beautiful show for you today. You know, we have to talk about how Gavin Newsom survived the recall, a uh, pretty big moment for him, but should he be getting comfortable anytime soon we're going to have politico joining us to talk about that and of course we're going to talk about biden's big plan for managing the pandemic he thinks at home coronavirus tests is the way to do it i don't know we'll see yeah. got a lot to talk go down to let's get into what's trending this hour are you ready i'm ready okay so sore loser caitlin jenner um because you know she was running to try to be a part of this whole California recall, she wanted to dip her big toe into politics. Which, Child. girl, she only received one percent of voters. Um, and I wonder <laughs> if those were gag voters. Maybe you never know. You know,
4: like how they were writing Harambe or whatever his name is into <laughs> the The gorilla. Yeah, rem- you don't remember that during the presidential
3: election? <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I do remember that. That's hilarious, though. But here she is, um, you know, speaking out for the first time once she realized that. Guess what? I lost.
1: He didn't campaign to do this campaign. This recall. On not one of his successes because he doesn't have any. And I can't believe that this many people actually voted to keep him in office. It's a shame. Honestly, it's a shame. You kind of get the government you deserve. So I have some thanks. When I decided to do this, um, obviously coming in.
3: All right, I'm Girl, done with that. Girl, <laughs> sit
1: down and shut
4: up.
3: I am done with that. I mean, honestly, I'm surprised that she even really thought she realistically had a ch- chance. You know, she tried to hire people that worked on the Trump uh, yeah. campaign and, and was trying to kind of mimic her, some of the her, Trump actions. Girl. Her
4: cognitive dissonance is one that should be studied in psychology books. Because yeah. she's one that leads the charge.
3: It's intense. It's really wild. Uh, you know, yesterday we talked about Nicki Minaj as well after she made claims about the COVID-19. <laughs> Vaccine, and honestly, she's getting she's getting it like handed to her right now. To be and quite she, and it's, it's, it's rightfully so, deserved. Um, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease expert, had to debunk a claim made by Nicki Minaj. Um, and you know, Fauci is so sick of it; he has better things to do. In an interview on CNN, he said this: "There's no evidence that it happens, nor is there any mechanistic reason to imagine that it would happen." So the answer to your question is no.
4: That man had a sexually transmitted disease or infection. (laughs) And lied about it, and Nikki really set up there and ran with it. <laughs> and I mean, she's still
3: going. She's still right as of now. We are live on this air. This is, but this is. She a, is still tweeting this track. Disgusting to know, and people are actually protesting. Her fans and other folks who are uh, also have her same mind frame are protesting in Atlanta uh, in front of the C in, uh, okay. in front of the CDC. Building. I've had quite enough. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. I've had quite enough. Um, and so yeah, I we have more headlines coming up next, of course, next hour, but. Right Right now, I want to get into the t report. What's happening over there? What's you the know what? I
4: was doing some digging, and you know, earth signs and fire signs go together like PB and J. I
3: know.
4: Look at us. Uh, look at us. I know. There's Barack and Michelle, uh-huh. Beyonce and Jay, and. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Now, Prince Harry. Now, Meghan Markle is August fourth, Leo, and Prince wow. Harry is a September fifteenth, Virgo. Now, he got a very powerful birthday present uh, earlier today as he and Meghan Markle appeared on the cover of Time magazine's Hundred Most Influential People in the World" issue. Time released the full roster of honorees this morning before the annual special editions hit hits newsstands on Friday. And this new portrait of the two marks the first time the couple has formally posed together for a magazine cover shoot. Okay? Oh, really? Yes. They look so fabulous. They look, let me tell you something, Megan's blowout. Yeah. with You know I Stunning. love a barrel, a beachy b- barrel curl. <laughs> Megan did that. And I just love this couple. I'm thinking back, like, in all honesty, the interview with Oprah now seems like it was a year and a half ago to me.
3: Wait, when was it?
4: That was in March. Wow! That was in March. Yes. Wow. Were you silent or were you silenced?
3: Yes. So oh my what God, that is? Was a oh wait,
4: no, that was Lindsay Lohan. I said, what is the truth? That's, <laughs> that's Oprah talking to Lindsay Lohan ten years ago in 2011 <laughs> the on fact the OWN that Network. You remember
3: that is absolutely what is your brain? Well,
4: you know I'm archival like that. But yes, that is one of the. And you know what? In this interview, they go in depth talking about a whole bunch of things and their pictures. Oh my goodness! The the photographer. I am not sure how to pronounce their name, but yeah. I think it's. P- Pari Dukovic. Kovic. Okay. Well their Instagram has the photo spread and these two are still glowing and smiling ear to ear and
3: I was going to say, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com to check yeah. it out because the story is there. And, of course, everything you need to know about everything we're covering is there. Um, but real quick, I, I need to tell you before we get out of here about I'm Listening. You know, talk has the power to save lives. Join Channel Q on Thursday, September 23rd at 6 p.m. for I'm Listening, a live two-hour show featuring some of the biggest names in music and sports and insight from some of the most respected mental health professionals as we strive to destigmatize talking about mental health hear personal stories from little nice X, billy eilish normani lizzo doja cat and so many more this year has brought a lot of challenges and uncertainty and it's you know okay to not be okay so join us thursday september 23rd from 6 to 8 p.m for i'm listening and visit I'mListening.org. Now, Gavin Newsom, like I said earlier, survived the recall, but that doesn't mean he should get comfortable anytime soon. We have political joining us to break everything down. Stick around. We've got a great show for you.
5: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q.
3: Okay, so Gavin, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom served survived the california recall that gained national attention but what should he be focused on moving forward joining us for this conversation is colby Bermel, uh, the california political reporter what's up colby
6: how you doing good hey there thanks for having me guys
3: Yeah. So, I mean, this this is a moment that we were all hoping because at first it was kind of mixed signals were Democrats going to come out and vote. It was a little slow moving train. But it seems like, you know, should Gavin Newsom really feel confident moving forward that he won this recall? What do you think? Like, what does it say kind of about his political power at this moment?
6: Yeah. So Governor Newsom definitely got his power reinforced last night and he's up like for regular uh, reelection next year, of course. So he's probably going to cruise to like a landslide um, in that unless some crazy circumstances happen. But as you say in politics, it's always about like, the next election. So, uh, you know, um, like with Governor Newsom, we're actually thinking uh, maybe about 2024, which is the presidential election, because mm-hmm. Newsom has been talked about for years as someone who could run for president.
4: Yeah, I, I'm, I must say that I breathed a sigh of relief last night when those results came in, but also was shocked at the amount of money Republicans spent on this recall that could have went to fixing some of the issues that they've been complaining about. But I have to ask, what is now expected of Governor Gavin Newsom now that he has won this uh, this recall election? What's now moving forward? What's expected of him?
6: To be totally honest, um, Governor Newsom has a really big choice to make. He now has to decide whether he wants to go much further in a big, bold, progressive direction or whether he wants to still play it safe ahead of his regular re-election next year and ahead of a possible White House run. So he has lots of big choices coming up on, on issues like fracking, health care, vaccines, housing, all the big issues that are in our state. He basically needs to decide whether he wants to basically go far to the left on these issues or, or, or whether he wants to play it relatively safe.
3: Yeah, and I don't think he can play it relatively safe anymore because it it does seem like, I mean, everyone's talking about the unfortunate homeless crisis that is going on in this state, and we, we're seeing it all the time, and he's made these promises and nothing's really happening. But I also think, can one governor actually mm-hmm. ha- do anything about this at this point because it's gotten so bad?
6: Um, there's always things that the California can pull out of its hat. You know, we have a huge budget surplus right now, obviously, which Governor Newsom deployed. It's a great effect during the campaign, you know, um, like giving out those uh, $600 checks, lots of other spending. So like the governor definitely does have a lot of executive authority. But I would also say that maybe he would be inclined to make more um, kind of progressive moves because lots of unions and um, lots of activist groups were very helpful to him um, in terms of getting out the vote, like in turnout. And those groups are definitely gonna are gonna want like, a return on their investment, quote unquote, in terms of him, um, you know, approving policies like in their favor.
3: Yeah. So let's talk about. Um Republicans at this point, yes, because let's. I would love to talk about how they failed in this recall election, right? You know, obviously, Larry Elder, he was kind of the the person that was um, in the, the national eye when it came to this. Like, he was a competitor, right? But I, I think the messaging from Republicans really caused them to, to, to mess up here. What do you think?
6: Yeah, for sure. And I would say that the classic comparison to make, of course, is to the 2003 recall, when you had Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was elected governor during that recall, and that was a very uh, strong like, performance by him, essentially, because he uh, positioned himself as a moderate. He appealed to Democrats and independents. He definitely uh, you know, um, unified all sides of the political spectrum um, compared to Elder, who basically doubled down on the far right. Essentially, he did not make any effort to go for independents like for Democrats. And that partisanship was on full display and that's what led to Elder being the front runner and then of course Newsom deployed that like on the other side by saying, Look, if um if you don't vote no, we're gonna have this far right governor, so we just uh we need to stick with like the left essentially.
4: Which is so interesting given that Elder identifies as a libertarian, that he has these far right what talking points. Mean? I don't know. Jedediah Bila introduced me to this to the
3: like, term. That's the first time I think I've heard it. It's yeah. Like, what does that even mean? So I have
4: to ask: Do you think can we can we ever see Republicans actually win California? And <laughs> um, and if they do, when do you think? When, is there a way that you uh, a year maybe you can predict down the line that you see that possibly happening?
6: Well, I don't really know actually, because as y'all know very well, California is already a um, just a state where like the majority of residents are racial minorities. And that's only going to be increasing, of course, like, again, the state is only oh, yes. going to be becoming more blue. And so I would say that if any um, like Republican would want to have any success, one, they would have to appeal to the independents and Democrats and two, there would have to be some really crazy circumstances happening that really make the current democratic governor just, you know, um, like, just go up in flames, essentially. Yeah. Um, during the 03 recall, there were the rolling blackouts. Right. There was the new gas tax. There was the budget deficit. All these really crazy things. And, like, that isn't to say that we didn't have a crazy time right now, of course, like with COVID, with wildfires, with homelessness, of course. But it really needs to be all these pieces lining up for, for the It'll ballots. It'll be like the favor, perfect like the storm. GOP. Yes, exactly.
3: Well, thank you so much, Colby Bermell, for joining us. Once again, he is a California political reporter, and we thank you for joining us for everything we needed to know.
6: Yeah, um, thank you so much. Have a great day.
3: You too. Now, coming up next, President Biden believes at-home COVID tests are the key to managing the pandemic moving forward. But is it really? We'll be right back, so don't go anywhere.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy,
5: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, the COVID-19
3: response plan President Biden unveiled Thursday envisions a plan to make quick turnaround test kits cheaper and more accessible than ever. So is this the key to managing the pandemic? Well, joining us for this conversation is local reporter from The Washington Post, Finnit Nairpal. Thank you so much for joining.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
3: Hi. Yeah. So can you break down before we really get into this conversation about uh, Biden's plan that he unveiled Thursday? Like for anyone that didn't see it, what was he saying?
2: Sure. So but President Biden's plan to expand testing is just one broader part of his plan to, to uh, tackle the Delta surge that's brought uh, hospitalizations uh, to, really high, to really big highs in many parts of the country and is expected to spread north. So the issue that President Biden is trying to address is that we've never really had widespread coronavirus testing in this country, and we've always lagged behind the need. And right now, there's not really shortage on uh, the lab test when you go and you get the swab done and it's sent off to a lab and you get it back uh, two or three days later. There's not really shortages there, but there are shortages in getting those rapid tests. So if you're going to go to a wedding, you can get the test on Friday and then as an extra precaution to make sure that you're not going to be contributing to a super spreader event, for example. So now the Biden Biden administration, the federal government, is going to be using authority to procure almost 300 million rapid tests and distribute it to community health centers and other places across the country so that rapid testing is going to be a bigger part of our arsenal in our fight against covid
7: Hmm. Mm.
4: That that's crazy. Uh just to think about how this is going to be like tracked. But I have to ask, what's the difference between like the in-home test and like the PCR tests?
2: So gen- generally the rapid in-home test is less uh, is less accurate. There are some nuances um, to that, but I mean, you can just kind of think about it common sense that what's sent off to a lab is generally going to be more reliable than w- what's uh, sent back. And if you do get a positive test, a uh, positive test result on a rapid test, you still should get it confirmed with the lab with the lab test. And the other um, uh, reason why that's important too is because uh, when we get tests at the lab, that's a key part of the coronavirus response system right now because that's what triggers lo- the a local health department to reach out to you and say, hey, you're tested positive. We got to find out who else you might have exposed and warn them that they should be quarantining too. And then they can give you the guidance for how long you should be staying away from people. So rapid testing can be faster, but it can also mean that we might be blind to some of the cases happening in our community. Mm
7: -hmm.
3: Well, I do wonder, is this a priority that we should be taking on or should we be focusing on vaccine hesitancy? Or both. I mean, is it possible that we could do both at the same time?
2: Yeah, the the public health authorities say it's always like, and, and, and. Yeah. Yeah, But it just feels like... no one silver bullet.
3: Right, but it also feels like we should be prioritizing one over the other, especially when I'm thinking about vaccine hesitancy, which could really just solve it all instead of us having to worry about an accurate at-home test. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so here's the reality right now. Um, even when people are getting vaccinated at this point, when, like, the Delta surge has already hit your state, it's kind of too late at that point, at least for that particular surge, because it takes weeks uh, to get to get immunity. Like, with this Delta variant, like, I don't, one of the things I don't think people fully um, comprehend is you are so so much more likely to get it now if you're in a room with someone who has covid than you were this time last summer or this time last fall because it's so contagious and that's why this kind of rapid testing is really important for the pandemic too because the more you can cut off these super spreader events at the at the at um at the bud, the the fewer transmission you're going to have, the fewer super spreader events. And that's really been wreaking havoc across the south. So the more we can prevent that in the north and midwest uh, this fall and winter, the better.
3: Yeah, I have to agree. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Finnit Nerpel, who is a local reporter from The Washington Post. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Glad to be on. Thanks for having me.
3: Okay, so we got more show coming up, and let's talk about unvaccinated TikTokers because they are coming together under a new name. Lord and you have mercy! Will not believe
5: what it, it is. It sounds racist.
3: It's actually <laughs> really teetering that line. Yeah, we got the show coming up more.
5: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Being here, and I'm thinking, from now on, I refuse to be
7: referred to as unvaccinated. I want everyone to now call me pure blood. Okay. Um.
3: So, unvaccinated TikTokers, as you just heard, are reclaiming this really super racist term <laughs> uh, called pure blood. Um. And now. According to this article, of course, if you're a Harry Potter fan, that you heard that term there where it was drawing parallels with like Nazi doctrine of the master race. And as a concept, basically, it's been used to justify some of the worst crimes against humanity in history. Yeah. It also
4: is. Is my mic on? I can hear myself. Of course your mic is on. Oh, okay. Okay. Of
3: course. Live radio.
4: Well, my, my earphones are a little.
3: Anywho. Well, you have one of them flipped over.
4: Oh, okay. Maybe that's it. <laughs> Um but this is reminding me I don't know if you remember a few months back when there were a certain group of like little straight boys that went around rebranding themselves as super straight uh, to show that they're not attracted to trans women or some some nonsense oh, like that. Just weird. Yeah, it's very... These TikTok catchphrases uh, that are popping up need, yeah. deserve to be interrogated, but go ahead.
3: Well, no, this new pureblood trend seems to have gotten a big boost from a conservative TikToker influencer. Her name is Lindsay Marie, and that's who I just played just a second ago. We're in a post she shared this last week with hashtags like Harry Potter, hashtag pureblood, and hashtag unvaccinated. You know... I I just don't really understand this view. This video has racked up nearly 250,000 views, and she's but, now promising her followers that a line of pure blood merch will feature okay, an image of a lion in the text "pure blood, unmasked, unvaxxed, unafraid, uninvited. Don't come.
4: <laughs> don't come." What I'm what I'm curious about is yeah. What do we think about this? Like does she realize that she's been vaccinated before against the chicken pox That's,
3: mumps measles that is the main talking point and you would think um, and according to polls I was actually listening to a Pod Save America um, and they were talking about that there was a recent polls where they they um, did a comparison between like narratives like that like hey yeah. if we put it in the face of you've been vaccinated before children have to get vaccinated yes. to go to school HPV it, it actually did like 17 uh, points better than like the regular kind of uh, narratives that come around vaccination like people were under, I have seen were able to understand it more.
4: I have seen the social experiment of like I think it was one of the airlines that said that people had to pay like $200 a month for yeah. daily vaccinations if they didn't want to get vaccinated. Someone did it. Yesterday on Twitter someone posted that uh one of their coworkers cuz there's some initiative at work like mm. you have to be uh what is it? checked daily. What's it called when you're swabbed?
3: Oh, tested test it, thank you.
4: You have to be tested daily Mm -hmm. or get vaccinated. And so one of their coworkers posted a a screenshot of a text that said, I've been thinking about it and so I did my research. I think I'm going to go ahead and get vaccinated. (laughs) So it's like these types of incentives and initiatives well, it's not really an an incentive, but these type of initiatives where you kind of put people's back against the wall, it works.
3: Well, And I also want to always, you know, because how if it wouldn't be a show if I didn't shake the table a little bit, it's always really interesting how um, non-oppressed minority folks... Always somehow find a way to feel oppressed while also simultaneously being racist. You know they're attacking, oppressing others, and oppressing others because you're and- keeping us in timeout for
4: longer. The longer <laughs> like, you don't get vaccinated, the the longer we as a country are going to be on this long timeout.
3: And I always wonder, do y'all ever look at the hashtags and just be like, mm. oh, you know, this we has, all we
4: this all. has nothing to do with Harry Potter, but not
3: even that. <laughs> we all kind of look a little similar. <laughs> but no, right. Like, not only... Like, no, but listen, like, I would feel weird if I was like, you know, if I look to my left and right and nobody else is saying the same things except for people that I could consider my cousins or my aunts or my grandmother or my, you know, people of my family.
4: And I would feel even more weird if I did my research prior to creating a hashtag movement and saw nothing but Nazis and racists <laughs> in it. Because Pure Blood... The connotations. I don't think Harry Potter when I hear the no, word pure I blood. No, I think proud
3: boys. M- okay, now in everything. Like, don't I be think in that burning street. crosses? Yes. Don't <laughs> don't be in that neighborhood when the lights are off. Right. Um. But yeah, we got more show coming up for you. We got to get out of here. Top of the hour coming up next. And guess what? Melania is the new queen of the gays. Who knew? She's getting an award for it. Excuse me. Are you asking yeah. me to leave studio right
5: now? Yes, you wanna do I You want to do the am. show
3: yourself? More details coming up. And what's trending <laughs> this hour?
5: let's go there with Shira and Ryan channel Q
3: we're back it's another hour and we have more show coming up of course you know the party does Mm -hmm. not stop say that again
5: I was just saying I've been on the edge of my
4: seat after that teaser you dropped before we went to the music (laughs) I just are we
3: gonna get into Melania being our new gay icon we sure are. She's following McCain's footsteps. <laughs> you know our two gay queer ki- queens. Um, but no, seriously, uh, Shira Lazar is out for this week. But I have Sharjah Sale joining me, which I am obsessed with. It's been the best time ever. Oh yes. Oh, this has been real good stuff. But let's get into it. I don't want to hold you. I don't want to have y'all holding y'all's breath. Melania Trump, she's accepting an award from the Log Cabin Republicans because they just announced that the next recipient of its Spirit of Lincoln Award
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> will be former First Lady Melania Trump. The award will be presented at the group's annual Spirit of Lincoln Gala. Honestly, that just sounds just so saying. weird, the
4: Spirit of Lincoln. It sounds very specifically Anglo-Saxon. It's like
3: Historically, do we know who Lincoln was? It's
4: a, and you know what there there is a running theory, not to go down my conspiracy theory uh like, rabbit hole, there is a theory that Abraham Lincoln was indeed part Negro. What? Yeah, I'm telling you, I saw like they have pictures of him in color. He he uh was very tan in an Italian type of way. <laughs>
3: You know, Ariana Grande type of way.
4: Well, Ariana's is you know (laughs) different because now she's looking Southeast Asian. She's done tanning. She's done being Mocha Grande, and now she looks like a K-pop girl. And I say that with love in my heart. I love Ari. Please, we gotta
3: stop. um,
4: but, however, yes. So wow. it's funny that you know, that, know that conspiracy
3: theory. Yeah, I'll sh- I'll show you during break. Yeah, I want to. I need to know that. Well, this is um, their annual Spirit of Lincoln gala, which will be held at the Trump's Florida home, Mar-a-Lago, on November sixth, according to the Washington Blade. Melania Trump will also deliver a speech at the event, oh, and hopefully, gosh. she's not copying anyone else's speech, right?
4: Auntie Gay, I hope St. <laughs> Hoax is there to capture the good moments.
3: Oh, my God. In a statement about the awards for Mrs. Trump, the Law Cabin Republicans attempted to explain their reasoning, saying this, during and after her time in office, First Lady Melania Trump has proven time and again her leadership on these principles. Her Be Best initiative focused on those most vulnerable oh my among gosh. us children by encouraging them to be their best, drawing attention to young Americans, social and emotional health, issues that LGBTQ uh, Americans of all stripes empath- empathize with. Are
4: they on? Are what planet are they living on? Melania Trump didn't do anything in her time in the White House except for you know decorate during Christmas to make it look like you know Night of the Living Dead and wear a very offensive jacket down to the border.
3: Well, that's she didn't do anything. You know, we've had um, the log cabin Republicans on our show before, and oh, I know, thing... I've
4: talked to one of them. Yeah,
3: one thing I just will never. Ever understand is like the reasoning behind any of the work that they do. I just don't get it. But that maybe it's not for me to get. But you know, it's it's a little weird. I'm gonna move forward though. Congratulations, Gay Icon Melania Trump. You're doing great work apparently. I just, um, I can't. now I have to throw over to uh, the T Report. Are you ready for it? I am ready for the T report. Okay, let's get into it real quick, though. Next hour, we're going to be talking about everything that's happening with the the Olympic gym, uh, gymnast Simone Biles. Um, the gym, because they're all speaking out. They're uh, basically the FBI has been failing to protect them from sexual abuse, and there's a clip that will honestly choke you up. So we're going to play that next hour. But let's go Yeah, the I was looking report. at some
4: of that on the news this morning. But Ryan, please tell me you heard about CBS's new show about activism. It's yeah, like the actually, Hunger Games with activists.
3: I found out about this weeks ago, and I tweeted about it and screenshot it when it was on the website. And now the, everybody's having the conversation. Why do so, we yeah. have to
4: commercialize everything? It's Usher's attached to it Priyanka Chopra and Julianne Huff. Now, Julianne Huff actually uh, released a statement this morning. Um, basically saying that she is not qualified to act as a judge. And I must say, I must agree, the show shouldn't even be in production.
3: Well, one, why, why she signed on to do it, so she clearly did think she was qualified at one point.
4: And I think people aren't letting her live, because if you remember a few Halloweens ago, she dressed up as Crazy Eyes from Orange is the New Black. She donned blackface and put her blonde straight hair in Bantu knots oh but anyway when CBS announced an upcoming reality competition a series called The Activist that will feature activists competing to promote and raise funds for their various causes, many critics and Ryan Mitchell on social mm-hmm. media felt the, that the concept missed the mark. Because a lot of people have been joking, saying the reality show already exists and it's called social media. Yes. That's what it's called. activism. Yes. That's
3: literally it.
4: Yes. Um, so, yeah, Julianne took to her Twitter and, she, I mean, excuse me, her Instagram. And she says, the last few days have been a powerful demonstration of real-time activism. Thank you for using your voices, oh. calling me in, your accountability, oh. and your camp. Oh, I'm I am, I am deeply I'm listening triggered. to everything with an open heart because and mind.
3: I know someone with that language.
4: Hold on. Let me finish. <laughs> I'm almost done. After the press release announcing the activist, I heard you say that the show was performative, promoted su- suero activism over real activism, Felt tone deaf like Black Mirror, The Hunger Games, and that the hosts weren't qualified to assess activism because we are celebrities and not activists. I heard you say that there was a hypocrisy in the show because of the root of the activism and uh, is a fight against capitalism and the trauma that it causes so many people. And the show itself felt like a shiny, capitalistic endeavor. I and that's it in part. If you all want to see it, I mean, it's can. on her Instagram. It's about four slides worth of excuses. Now, the interesting thing will be, because Julianne never said that she'd step down. I just want to mention
3: that. Oh, wow. She said she's so not qualified,
4: but she never she just said wants that she'd. to she
3: acknowledge everyone's concerns. <laughs> but guess what? I've already cashed the check. Um, that is your <laughs> team report. We got more coming up next hour. Stick around always. But more show. How attached are you to your Zodiac? sign. And is it insane to try and plan your kids' Zodiac sign? Well, let's talk about it. Well, (laughs) wow, we're going on a journey. Coming up next.
1: After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed fifteen days. Qualifying unlocked device. Credit service ported. Ninety plus days with device and eligible carrier. And timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy. The tough label. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crownland Port, Chicago, Illinois. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.
5: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q.
3: You know, the Millennials, I feel like, and I feel like it really started with Millennials, where <laughs> everything started to become about the zodiac, the astrology of it all, yeah. right? Like what's your sign? What what's your rising? What's your moon? It's definitely a talking point it's in, intense. in Los Angeles. I mean, most of, and that's the thing. When I was growing in the South, I didn't, I mean, there was like some talk about, like, oh, I'm a Leo. I know a little bit of what that is. But it feels like when I moved out here to the West Coast, the first question is what's your zodiac sign?
4: And much like yourself, I'm from Chicago. I've always been a cat. Yeah. And I never thought anything about it, but living out here and having it being such a talking point, whether you're at game night at a friend's house (laughs) or brunch, it's like I take pride in my... Because you know what? There are a lot of stereotypes with Capricorn that I check off. So
3: are Leo's. I I have to say there's a a lot of things that I identify with. And it's kind of
4: nice to know your tribe, like celebrity Capricorns. I'm like, yes, that's- Michelle Obama and Betty White. <laughs> See, that's interesting, and Tina right? Nose. I mean, I
3: have like J-Lo, of course. Well, Viola like, Davis. Yeah, I have Viola Davis. I have some good ones. But here's the thing. I feel like we're taking it a step further, which is intense because millennials are becoming parents if they're not already parents. And people are now planning <laughs> when they're having their kids, like being like, no, I don't want a Capricorn baby. I want a... A Leo baby. Oof. You know? Who would want that? And I find this to be a little much. What do you think about this? Is this something I, you would do?
4: I think it's a little much only because even with our own specific sun signs, there are a there is a recipe according to the astrology girls that I follow. And I remember one time you were out and Shira and I this past summer talked to someone who's an astrology, uh who's good in astrology. Yeah, but what she I'm comes saying is
3: all the time. there
4: is a specific recipe that goes into making Ryan, Ryan, and Shar Shar. And it goes yeah. beyond beyond our lived experiences, but it go- also goes beyond the sun sign. Your rising, your moon, your your Venus, your Pluto, yeah. all of that matters. So I don't understand the big hype around, you know, not wanting or pr- preferring a certain zodiac sign.
3: I don't know. I think it's a little intense. So when I so we got this story from Vice.com, which is really interesting. And they said, if someone has given the all clear from a doctor that certain dates and times for a C-section are induction, are acceptable. That's called electional astrology, in which an astrologer helps a client choose an ideal date wow. for an event. A quote could be something interesting to explore if you are astrologically inclined and find it interesting. Y'all need help. Because I'm not doing all I, that.
4: Honestly, Ryan, when if I become a mother, right now I have no desire to, to have children and I don't see it in the foreseeable future. Yeah. But in the event I pull a Tamron Hall and at 48 decide I want a baby. <laughs> um, I think that that's up to the universe, God, to let those chips fall Ryan, where they may. I
3: mean, there is some planning. I think the, the, the lucky thing about being queer and being able to kind of figure out my own kind of, I guess, When it comes to the reproductive journey of it all, like having a surrogate or you know, Mm -hmm. you know, doing all that, I can kind of plan out when I do want to have someone to be pregnant. And and at the end
4: of the day, I think everybody, everybody should just want a happy, healthy, functioning baby.
3: Yeah, but also. There are some zodiac signs that are the worst, and sometimes I don't want my baby to be. I those
4: would things. not want if I found out that I was. Well, you know, babies. I, I, I would let my child determine their gender. Uh, but same, if I same. found out that uh, I I was having a baby that was assigned male at birth and was born in July or August, <laughs> I would run for the hills personally. Not you leaving the baby at the hospital? <laughs> personally, right at the fire station. Personally. <laughs> This is an inside <laughs> joke that I should share with the yeah. listeners. Like, I have a hist- assorted history with Leo men. Yeah. Despite most of my friends and associates in Los Angeles being Leos. <laughs>
3: but I think that's really interesting, though, because even further, it talks about kind of confirmation bias and how it plays a role in how a child is perceived. Because here's the thing. I know some people who say, I don't even identify with a lot of the things that, that people talk about the Zodiac. Yeah. And I'm that Zodiac, but I don't identify with that. That's and because I, and some it's of the stereotypes,
4: you know, it also goes by month. Are you yeah. a, Ju- a July Leo is different from an August yeah. Leo. A December Capricorn is different from a January Capricorn. That's true. That's very so true. So it's it's a mix. But I personally believe you just, should just let the chips fall where you, they may. When you get too involved with picking gender and eye mm-hmm. color and zodiac sign, it just feels too. You know, people do designer puppies. It just feels
3: too like <laughs> Black Mirror for me. Yeah, like you're just playing too much with signs. Like you're low key kind of being God in a way, where you're. And then what to happens dictate. if that
4: child? Because to me, that's put, putting even more of your own ego and preconceived yeah. notions as to who this child would be. Will and, be. Well, that's the
3: confirmation
4: bias of it all. But when yes. it's not, when the child is the antithesis of yeah. who you thought they were going to be, how then does that affect your love, care, yes, and compassion for them? Yes,
3: and my thing is. I always it's it's really weird how we as just a whole as I don't know it's just society in general just have this obsession over with gender and like and how you know a person should be just based off of these little things and for me it's just like are we looking for answers that bad. Yeah. Are we really that obsessed with it? I don't know. Let me know what you think over at LGT show on the social medias. Is this something y'all would do? Plan out your pregnancies or your babies? And why? On. And if it is something you yeah. do, why? What's going on? Because we want to chat with you. Okay. I got more show coming up for you with you next because we got a lot to chat about. I was on something totally different and I need to now figure out what we're talking about next. Oh, I know what we're talking about. We're
4: talking about reflecting yes. on 9/11.
3: Yes. Give me the tease. Come on. Say it. Reflecting
4: on 9/11 this week brought up a conversation about collective grief what we could learn about those coping skills now that's what's coming up next and
5: we'll be right back in two minutes and that's how you do teamwork let's go there with shira and ryan channel q
3: now with the anniversary of 9-11 being just a few days ago it's bringing up the huh? 20th anniversary 20th anniversary wow, wow. Um, it's bringing up this common collective grief that we felt then and now. And I guess joining us to really kind of connect the dots for us, because I didn't even think about this and, and talk about how we can learn from these coping mechanisms and skills, is uh, Petros Lavonis, uh, professor and chair of the Department of Psychiatry at uh, Rutgers New Jersey Medical School. Thank you so much for joining us.
7: Thank you very much for inviting me here.
3: No, seriously, can you talk to us? Let's start this off with just kind of connecting the dots between 9-11 and what we're going through today. As, and I'm guessing it's relating to the pandemic of mm-hmm, it all. Mm-hmm. Connect those dots for us.
7: Yes, absolutely. Um, There's There are a lot of similarities, uh, uh, a sense of uh, community. We're all in it uh, together. And the more we can capitalize on this sense of community and, uh, as you very well pointed out, communal grief, uh, the better off w- we'll all be. But a major difference between 9-11 and the pandemic is that uh, the pandemic is still happening. And not only it's still happening and we're in the middle of it, but we don't really know when and if it's going to ever end. But with 9-11, it was pretty much, okay, that happened. And now we're starting a process of rebuilding. But uh, with the pandemic, um, hmm, things are a little tougher that way.
4: Yeah, I, I noticed even like with the aftermath, I watched a fascinating documentary just a few days ago titled Women of uh, September 11th or Women of 9-11. Yes, it's on, uh, Robin it's on, uh, from so
3: Google
4: America did. Yeah. Ryan, it is so good. Um, but I noticed that, you know, we oftentimes have these conversations around collective grief and collective mm-hmm. trauma. What does the, the collective or communal healing look like from something uh, like this? Because we even That's saw good. with Aftermath, there were people who, were middle eastern who were being attacked Uh i think today marks the anniversary of the first person um i believe he was Sikh who was killed actually uh as a result of 9-11 violence so how what does collective healing look like
7: Absolutely. And also in in the spirit of connecting the dots, we should not forget about the HIV epidemic and uh, the toll that that took and the collective grief that uh, our communities had to go through, uh, especially in the height of uh, the HIV uh, epidemic. But the collective healing uh, has uh, to do primarily with two things. Uh, Number one, Uh, preserving our routines and developing new routines uh, to uh, pretty much accommodate what everybody is calling the new normal. Uh, The sooner uh, we get to to the space where uh, we uh, have some kind of uh, um, routine in our sleep, in our sex, in our our eating habits, in our exercise, in the basic blocks of uh, physical and mental health, the better off we'll all be. And the second thing is the sense of community. Uh, we may not have the ability to connect the same way that we did before, uh, but uh, there are uh, roundabout ways of doing that, and uh, let's not all uh, frown upon the virtual uh, world as much yeah. as we have been uh, frowning upon it, uh, because it is a wonderful way of uh, staying in touch. Mm-hmm. Well, here's
3: the thing. I. I guess when I we're talking about kind of comparing the feeling that we felt then and now, it feels like we're just in a completely different place where everything is even more heavily politicized and even more divided than ever before. And so I'm, I just don't see how we could ever really, unfortunately, kind of come together on some thoughts, especially when it's just as simple as like, you know, everyone get a vaccine and we we move forward, so we don't have to go through this collective grief and trauma anymore. How does that I, I play agree into with you. this? I
7: think that we're even more divided now than we were 20 years ago. Uh, But back then, the uh, discrimination and the the stigma and the hatred was a little more in your face. Uh Uh, What makes things uh, even more difficult today is that we have to deal with a lot of uh, unconscious bias, Mm -hmm. with a lot of things that are working uh, under the surface. Uh, Well, back then, the slurs were flying right and left. (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh, I mean, de- depending on where you're at, they still are. I was <laughs> about to say, come on now, come yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, on. I mean, and it's, uh, we absolutely. just did a segment about unvaccinated folks on TikTok wanting to be called purebloods, right? And I think that has some yeah, some yeah. racial uh, stigmas and tension attached to it as well. But I we could talk to you forever at this point because you're so good.
7: <laughs> yeah. <But laughs> no, I'm glad you reminded me that I live in a New York City bubble. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> you know, being from the south, there's just some things you can never oh, forget yeah okay <laughs> um but everyone that is uh petros Lavones, a professor and chair of the department of psychiatry at uh rudders new jersey medical school thank you so much for joining us thank you Woo! that was so good oh my god we got more show coming up next i just want us to to think about that conversation and how we can all be going on this journey of collective healing more yes. let's go there coming up next
5: let's go there with shira and ryan channel q
3: Okay, so this lady, uh, she was traveling Alaska Airlines, right? And on this flight, she's, you know, she's a plus size woman. Let's uh, say this because she was escorted off of her flight um, because of her outfit, and now she's calling out the treatment of her um, and also plus size bodies to change. So basically, she's a salon owner. Um, Her name is Raylan Howard. Yes, and she was boarding a flight with her family from Seattle to Alaska, and she said that no security guard, TSA agent, are a flight attendant commented on her appearance, but after about an hour in the air, a conversation about her body would result in police intervention. So she's wearing this... Uh, Wait, they
4: were already in the air?
3: Yeah, they were in the air. They were so did the- they
4: make an emergency landing to escort her <laughs>
3: off? <laughs> we're going to get to it. So during her flight, she, uh, she said that she experienced motion sickness knowing um, she had a sports bra underneath. She removed her crop top, which would later cause an issue. So she's wearing this like cheetah print crop top and some biker shorts and she takes the crop top off and she has her sports bra on. Right? It feels like that's no big deal. And according to the uh, website, Alaska Airlines dress code is defined as "quote casual." Um, now she's not that casual. <laughs> she said when that happened, uh, she her uh, basically she. She wanted to see the dress code. She says she was told to Google it, and then things <laughs> continue to escalate with landing and flyers were asked to remain seated while officers boarded on and escorted her to a private room. And basically, they let her know in a TikTok where as she's documenting that she's not in any criminal, you know, trouble. But they got to get down to the nitty gritty of this. I think there's a point to talk about about the the plus size, the 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 treatment of plus size bodies on planes. Whether you have to buy an extra. Your ticket to you know just fit in the seat, or you have to be embarrassed when you're asking for a uh, seat uh, extenders. extender for
4: the seat, belt. yeah.
3: And like yeah. all of these different things, there are that is that that is something to be talked about, and I think that's important. But in this situation, I was about to say,
4: but the, there is also decorum to be talked about, and a bra is that, an undergarment. You like, sound like Monique. There is- <laughs> Listen, I'm just gonna give it to you, Char style. You know, a bra is an undergarment.
3: But a sports bra seems like you can watch. You can see people going to a uh, yes, Trader Joe's on us with a sports you, bra and some biker shorts. You
4: can, but I do not think that it is appropriate attire for the plane. Why? I just don't You're covered up. It's I a, don't get it's, it. a, it's a little too lax, and I don't care if it's on a plus size body uh, or you know someone else. I don't listen. We can disagree but on do this. You think?
3: Do you think that she? And we do you think that she would have gotten all of this trouble if she wasn't fat?
4: No. Because as you brought up, as yeah. we were prepping for this topic, yeah. just a few weeks ago, there was a woman who mm-hmm. was walking through the airport, yeah. and I believe that was on the New York Post, walking through the airport in a full-on bikini, wearing yeah. nothing but a bikini, some slides, and a mask. Now and she was as, skinny not, as my pinky. We do not know whether she boarded a flight, or, well, I'm, well, she went through TSA, so, but we don't know, like, she didn't have any, I'm looking at the photo right now, she has a backpack with her, but we don't know if clothes are in it, or if it's yeah. a laptop and a blanket. So. Yeah. So it's interesting to see I do agree with you that bigger bodies are policed they more are. heavily they are that is an irrefutable fact yeah. however I you know I, I get also, real
3: nervous going on any plane on planes and be really like, yeah but for me like I get cu- like I'm I'm fine like I, you know I've never I you know I get the whole decorum thing right you don't want to that's up, what I'm saying like I've two truths can exist at one time and
4: I have seen anytime
3: I walk out the door I need to look presentable
4: And and producer Vanessa and I were speaking as women I've seen on on planes I've seen biker shorts i've seen leggings but i have never seen a sports bra yeah. no matter what the body type i've never seen someone board a plane in a sports bra maybe yeah. a hoodie and leggings a crop top and some and some biker shorts but overall i know that certain airlines especially as it pertains to buddy passes yeah. you have to come
3: dressed which is wild to me i had no clue you which have I to come dress. i don't know anyone that would give me a buddy pass so that's the thing right i do <laughs> Well, okay, so to, to put a little uh, bow on this, she did say that Alaska Airlines offered her free flights. They offered her uh, originally a discount on her flights, um, but she said she didn't take anything. She's like, all of this feels like a slap in the face for, uh, oh, for what that. they put me through in front of my family and my six-year-old child. She said, you can't do that to people and then cover it up with some free flights. Absolutely not. Does that make me... Um I, mean, uh, I, I would have took the free flight. Too. I to say I I'm like, what does
4: that say about my character? Because I would have, and also in fairness, I know that she explained that she was experiencing motion sickness, so she decided to remove her shirt. I still don't
3: get the connections for that.
4: I mean, neither. But I don't <laughs> get motion sickness. I could see I if get she, motion
3: sickness. By I, I get motion sickness in the in the back of Ubers.
4: Oh no, I've never gotten motion. I sickness. I get really sick. I can my, see if but... she said that she was getting overheated. But if you're getting motion sickness, girl, if you don't ask these people for some ginger ale and an aspirin and go to sleep, or why not take a take some to help your flight easier you know like I know people who take edibles or a little NyQuil or something like there's things that that can be done that can prevent this
3: well let us know your thoughts of course we have more show top of the hour coming up next we're playing the Simone Biles clip that is literally I mean trigger warning it's intense she's crying and she uh, has me choked up even thinking about it we're gonna be playing it coming up next because there is a close to the whole FBI situation the Nassar investigation yep we're talking about it up next
5: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. All
3: right, another hour down, and we got so much more show to go. I hope you are sticking around and having a good time, because, honey, I'm living for today's show. It's been a really good one. And Charger's sale, of course, is making the day even better. Thank you, Ryan. You're very welcome. It's a, it's a great, great day. No, filling in for Shira Lazar while she is out on vacay. Now, coming up this hour, we are talking about Now, is it better to quit before you get fired from a job? Because, you know, the pandemic has made a lot of people just quit their jobs. And sometimes people are just doing it without having a job lined up. They're just like, I'm ready to go.
4: Tamron Hall did a whole show on this last week.
3: Well, guess what? We're now doing it as well. (laughs) We're doing a segment. (laughs) We're doing a segment. And, of course... Uh, we're gonna talk about your rich friends and should they admit that they have financial privilege should y'all even be talking about finances we're gonna talk about it but right now let's get into what's trending this hour the world anti-doping agency WADA um, if you're not familiar oh, I gotta turn down the music a little bit it's a little loud
4: yeah it is uh, okay
3: why y'all just to say that y'all are here giving me like sign language well I'm cause just... we're not trying to interrupt your flow <laughs> now take two <laughs> Oh, my God. The World Anti-Doping Agency executive committee announced uh, literally on Tuesday it will review cannabis status as a banned substance at the Olympics. The announcement came two months after U.S. sprinting star Shakari. Kari. Kari, great. Richardson (laughs) was disqualified from the Tokyo Olympics for using marijuana after she had learned that her mother died. Now, Wada said in a statement that the review was prompted after the agency received requests from a number of stakeholders... Um, the scientific review of cannabis will be initia- initiated in 2022 the agency said so until any change of its status is confirmed cannabis will continue to be which prohibited is, in competition through at least 2022 which
4: is so wild to me by the way did you say have you ever seen the mural of shikari richardson that's painted down the right street down the street yes yeah. yes, yes yes It's I, very nice but I mean, it was a cog it, it's just weird to have Shakari banned well not banned but she was not able to participate this year in the olympics but then there were olympians that were sponsoring uh like weed companies or cbd company it just was weird to, to watch that of course
3: yeah it most definitely is a little weird and um it's it's honestly unfortunate right so i have to pull go over to my next clip um which is all about it's all what it's going to be 3. Oh, it's a 3 p.m. Okay, I see it. There we go. We, we're working some things out. I told you, it's a live show. Okay. Um, Now, four of the top gymnasts in the United States told Congress at FBI, um, U.S. gymnasts, and the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee had failed them for years in a Senate hearing um, today, and they want answers and accountability. Here is Simone Biles uh, talking about it right now.
5: I don't want another young gymnast, Olympic athlete, or any individual to experience the horror that I and hundreds of others have endured before, during, and continuing to this day in the wake of the Larry Nassar abuse. To be clear, sorry.
1: Take your time.
5: To be clear, I blame Larry Nassar and I also blame an entire system that enabled and perpetrated his abuse.
3: Woo. That gives me chills just hearing that.
4: Yeah, she wasn't the only one that spoke. I saw on local yeah. news this morning before coming into the studio, um, just how much the FBI failed. You know these gymnasts. I think there was a they it, quote unquote investigated twice. Yeah. And so yeah, I saw a few of the other people's testimonies, and from what I could see, because my TV was you know down on low. I'm listening to music and stuff. Right. There were a lot of uh, tears
3: yeah, throughout so this emotional entire time thing, going through this and talking about this, and they just come coming off the heels of the Olympics. Yeah. It just seems like they got a lot going on. And I know they're going on tour as well across the country to, you know, do what they do. And
4: Simone was just at the VMA. And the Met Gala. Yeah, that that up and down of emotion. Wow. All
3: right, let's head over to the T-Report. What's happening?
4: So some fans are speculating that, you know, Kim Kardashian showed up to the Met Gala uh, in the all black with her face covered. Some fans are speculating that it's actually Chloe up under there. I guess there's, like, this viral, like, comparison of pictures of Kim on the carpet versus Chloe. But <laughs> Chloe has never actually been invited, which I think is interesting. So there's this running theory that there are six celebrities that Anna Wintour has banned from the Met Gala. Oh do you want to hear the six?
3: Yes, please.
4: Tim Gunn. Okay. Project Runway.
3: Wait, she banned Tim Gunn? Yes. What, what did he ever I don't do to know. anyone? Okay.
4: Rachel Zoe. Which, wow, the stylist? Yeah, Rachel Zoe. <gasps> Josh Hartnett. Okay. Coco Rocha. Oh, yes. Wow. She. What? and Donald J. Trump.
3: Oh, good good girl. That's awesome. That <laughs> and is Khloe awesome.
4: Kardashian, a- allegedly. So, uh, yeah, Khloe's allegedly been banned. She's never shown up. Now, at one point, Courtney was invited in 2019 and something else com- came up. Yeah. But the only Kardashians that have been actually at the Met Gala have been Chris, Kim, Kendall, and Kylie. Um, now, according to sources, uh, the Vogue editor-in-chief doesn't consider Khloe an A-lister. So even though she carries <laughs> the Kardashian last name, Miranda hey. said, no, ma- Miranda said, Get me to Marshall Yeah. Can
3: we talk real quick
4: before we have to get out of here? Sure. Um, do you think it was Chloe in the in the get up? I don't no, because Chloe and Kim are. body have such, shapes different. And they have such severe height differences as well. Yeah. Kim is like literally
3: like 5'2. Chloe's like 5'7, five, 5'8. Five, also, um, Kim is most definitely taking back Kanye. They want to be the Adams family so Ugh. bad. That's my hot take. I mean, she's a Libra. What it's, do you expect? I'm do they ever annoyed. make up their minds? I'm annoyed by it, but that was your team report. <laughs> I got you. Well, Shar has more coming up next hour, and I have more. What trending this hour but right now we have to talk about is it better to just quit your job before you get fired from a job well the pandemic has a lot of people
5: thinking and we're going to have that conversation right here don't go anywhere let's go there with shira and ryan channel q
3: all right so let's talk about people quitting their jobs because honestly I need to send out an alarm for that because I can't quit my job without having another job, like, lined up, right? That just feels irresponsible. I'd break out in hives.
4: I would break out in hives. There's no way that I could function in a space, even though I I have done that before. Really? Yeah, but it was a retail position and I was an undergrad. But, I mean, in all fairness, I still could have used the money, but I had to.
3: I just don't know if people think about, because I think oftentimes when you're getting to a place where you're so ready to quit your job, and you're just like, I'm done with it. You're thinking from a, a very emotional place. Mm-hmm. And you're not really thinking about, okay, the financial place that is the smart way of being like, okay, do I have enough money to last me if it yeah. takes me either a week or three months or, you know, six months to last me to pay my rent and do everything that I need to this stay is afloat re- this with? This
4: is definitely reminding me of that viral TikTok of that guy who got upset with Logan Paul. Was oh, it Logan yeah. or Jake?
3: No, it was Logan. So.
4: Where he quit his job <laughs> yes. and just showed up and thought he was going to get a job like within yeah. Logan's camp. And he revealed that he's 22 and he made he quit a hundred thousand dollars. Like I have never even seen that amount. And what I should uh, say is that when I quit my little retail job, it, I immediately went to McDonald's and used their Wi-Fi and became <laughs> my own headhunter looking yeah, for the next. That's it. Uh, situation. So.
3: But I guess do you? What if you feel like, okay, if I'm going to quit, I need to quit before they fire me.
4: That is true. It's never fun getting fired.
3: Yeah. I've, I've only been fired from one job. But
4: when you're fired, you can collect unemployment. And sometimes there's severance packages involved. If you quit, you're out there on your own.
3: That, now, that's true. And now, a lot of people are wondering, well, what's sparking this? Well, the pandemic. The pandemic had, folks, you know, it was a different time when you were working from home in oh, your four walls and you had nothing else. You weren't going, you weren't leaving your apartment. You were just literally you, Zoom, and and the work that you were doing. And people were, like, getting and, to the point where it was enough. And they
4: couldn't take it. Ryan, you know just as well as anyone else, I've to a point where in, in all of this year I have not been able to work from home. I just cannot. My brain does not work. So when I go to work, I literally go to a coffee shop or I go to a WeWork facility. Yeah. And I know WeWork, it has, it's its troubles, Okay. but that is where I go. I need to see other people with their laptops open. I need to, I need that yeah, community because I'm single and I have no pet. So yeah. working from home, even though I was able to sustain even having myself
3: a pet, Coco don't bother, like she does not want to be around well, me. Well that's,
4: you've conditioned her to,
3: uh, <laughs> to be like that. But
4: even, like, with the luxury of, like, you know, paying my own bills yeah. and working from home sustained me. I made thousands of dollars from my little pink Hot Topics chair in my living room. Yeah. Thousands of dollars yeah. last year. I My brain does not work at home, especially when it pertains to writing because you know I write for them right. every week. Yes. So I can't, it's like it just doesn't work.
3: So let's talk about the pros and cons of this. We already kind of talked about the con is quitting can make it harder to get unemployment benefits and severance pay. which And is get
4: another job. My true. mother always says it's easier to get a job if you already got one.
3: Well, I well, I think getting fired <laughs> is harder It's probably going to be make it harder to get another job versus quitting. If quitting, you could just say you say in the interview being like, "Well, I think that chapter was done and I wanted you to grow more." You say that more. regardless. No, if you're getting oh. fired, people are going to find out, "Oh, if I'm calling your references and your people but your references being like, "What are they talking have, about?" Let me tell you something.
4: I have been friends references since I've been 16.
3: Shut up. So you're ca- you're acting like yes. they worked. Yes. I got one of my friends
4: <laughs> I got one of my friends a job. The last time I did it was 2018, I want to well, say. Well, you do have the
3: voice for that. Like you could anybody would believe And they you. called
4: me. I was very convincing and I said, "Yes, he was my production assistant um, <gasps> at a station I will not name is local news in Chicago." Wow. And he was great and da, 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 and he called me 2 days later and said he got the job. Now Are you can that's kind of like he didn't cash at me or send me any flowers or anything <laughs> but I I did my part. I did my part. And I've been Wait. doing literally since I was 16 I called people out of school. I just have that voice where people I guess just believe me over the phone. And now My son Ryan Mitchell won't be in for periods 1 through 4 today he'll be wow. in just in time for I see, lunch I could and PA. never I
3: had too much anxiety I live with anxiety too much to even be to think that that was an idea for me I would get to shake it on nope. the phone and all the, like, I could never do nope. that <laughs> now it's interesting though if you're quitting a job if there's like legal things where you're like I'm feeling I'm feeling discrimination and things yeah. like that apparently to this from this HuffPost article they said a kind of quitting can make it actually harder to pursue legal action later they said if you want to pursue a wrongful termination a retaliation claim against your employer. It's going to be much harder to do that if you quit voluntarily. Yeah, um, I th- agree. That's actually wild to me because it's one of those things where if you are quitting, of course you're quitting for a reason that should further my mental
4: health is in shambles. Yeah, that should
3: help further your cause of actually being able to pursue any legal action that you need. Mm-hmm. But apparently. Actually, no, because they talked to a um, a lawyer that said if you leave willfully, in a lot of cases, you forfeit those claims. You can't sue for termination if there was never a termination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess out of all this conversation, you honestly just kind of got to do what's best for you. But for me, I, I think I have always gotten to the verge, and I'm going to be real real here. There's been multiple jobs that I have always gotten to the verge of being like, I am ready to quit. Yeah. I am done here. I'm burnt out. Mm -hmm. I can't do it anymore. People are taking advantage. Mm -hmm. They're not seeing me in the ways that I want to be seen. They're not treating me in those ways. And I think... I have so much kind of like and I've, I don't know if I've coined this term or anything I don't want to take you know but I feel like I have a lot of financial PTSD around you know just finances and being like mm-hmm. I need to feel stable and a lot of times I will stay in toxic work environments of course because at the end survival. of the day for Stability. a lot of
4: a lot of us we're, we're, we are our own safety nets yeah there is nowhere we can turn and even if you do have friends that you have the luxury of turning to most of the times that's alone you know and, yeah. and you can fracture a friendship if you quote unquote Borrow five hundred dollars to make ends meet, and that ain't gonna last. And you never pay it back.
3: Not when the gas is five dollars a a gallon. Exactly. That's taking a hundred of it right there.
4: I totally. uh, Funny story about me. I actually was fired from a job that didn't pay. Like it was a voluntary position out here.
3: Oh, so you got fired for basically basically being an intern. I
4: got fired. Well, it wasn't an intern. It was me. Um, we'll talk off off air. <laughs> okay. okay. As a matter of fact, no. I'll just say it is public <laughs> yeah, knowledge. Now right. it was after buzz when okay. I first moved here. Oh, yes. I was an after okay. buzzer, mm-hmm. and I was essentially let go. But it wasn't my fault that HR was a roommate of a person that I was beefing mm-hmm. with. So it's like you know the interwebs of of yeah. what that is, and I'm pretty sure plenty of people of color. And black folks have stories from, from that production studio. And that's
3: also another thing, right? <laughs> when you're thinking about it from this conversation from an intersectional lens, it's going to be different on how, you know, oh, we yes. handle it versus how you, our, our...
4: And co- that's probably why I stayed for so long. I mean, I love yes. I love the art of the broadcast. Yeah. But however, it's just it's one of those things, like you said, to, to loop it back to your initial point. As adults, you really have to weigh your options. And if you do not have a robust savings account or good connections, good networking, it really makes no sense for you to leave your job. The best thing that I could tell you is to be on your stuff while you're at that. Like, when I worked at Buena Murray... At one point, I was looking for another job, and I was right. also interviewing on my lunch break. <laughs> I would Uber across town and interview. I'm kidding yeah. you not.
3: I mean, and here's the thing. This conversation, we've been talking a lot about finances, and you even bought up maybe asking your friends for a loan. Especially if am saying have, if push comes to shove because well, we have no safety net a But that of brings us. us to our next conversation that we're about to have about, you know, should you be talking about finances with your friends, especially if you know your friend makes a ton of money? Yeah. There's finance privilege there. Let's talk about that because this
5: could be a little bit triggering for folks. Oh, yes. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: Okay, so let's talk about privilege so obviously that word can be very triggering for some, especially when you're talking about it within race white privilege and there's also a term that's been around for a while financial privilege right where you are existing in a space where you don't have to worry about finances you can you you have the coin you can either come from it or you've established yourself enough oh my god I'm spitting everywhere you've established yourself enough and um, you have that financial privilege. And I think a lot of the conversation now is if you are friends with someone who is better off than you, they have more of a financial financial privilege than you, should they, you know, should they kind of own up to that? Should they be picking up the check sometimes? Should they be, you know, being mindful about that when it comes to friend group like trips and things like that? Yeah. Should they be taking on more of... Uh, a stake, I guess, mm-hmm. because they are have this financial privilege. What do you think about that?
4: Well, what's funny is I was thinking about this topic when you introduced it. I wouldn't say that I come from financial privilege, but to a degree I do. I was raised in a very, I guess it would be branded like an upper middle class black family in the suburbs of Chicago. Yeah. So I had to deal with the harshness of the world once I was out on my own. And I was <laughs> like, wait, how do my parents make this look so easy? Like, yeah. you know we have the pets and a cleaning lady and all this stuff. But what I will say is that luckily my friends in LA this is this conversation has never really come up because most of my friends that earn more than me just are naturally inclined to do more. It just happens, right? Like I went out for someone's birthday dinner in in June and he has the coin coin and he paid for everybody there like it's his birthday dinner and he refused to and it was like 10 of us at the table and i'm talking about this was a nice this was fine dining okay yeah and he paid you know um so very rarely do i come across instances now i have talked to one of my cousins in particular has a friend that earns like triple what my cousin earns Mm -hmm. and that person is still very like we're gonna split the bill and my cousin doesn't take any offense to it yeah but it's something that she's noticed like oh we going to split the bill girl like well
3: damn <laughs> well, you know I always wonder that because i feel like us, us we don't have a problem or an issue talking about finances i think you should be able to have friends where you talk about finances talk about how much you are making, especially if you're in similar industries or you're, mm-hmm. you're doing the same oh, thing oh yes you i will i will tell
4: you how that. much i made when i worked right? that one time with that one you know studio or whatever
3: i'm going to tell you but i do think it's a bit much to just because someone has a a ton of money to automatically expect, assume and yeah. expect that they're going to do something yeah. like that, right? I don't think that expectations necessarily, will
4: set you up for disappointment, right? And
3: I don't think that's necessarily fair. Like I'm not counting somebody's wallet. Like no. if I can, if I'm going to be there, if I if I agree to going to yep. a dinner, guess what? That means I've budgeted enough to make sure to, that
4: you ha- you have your p- portion covered. Yes, because we I, also don't know what that person. Yeah. are they paying mom's rent?
3: Are they helping exactly. c- with cousin's
4: medical bills? And you this never takes know. Me back
3: to a brunch that we went to a while ago. It was a birthday brunch and someone that we know literally I still deal with if it was a flex or not they they make they make some money and they're great they're a great person but they were about to leave and in secret they decided to pay for everyone that was there yeah and then they just did and they left And for me I think the action of the flex was in them paying and then leaving instead of like sticking around well they were in fairness they were on their way out
4: as it was as it was
3: yeah but it
4: wasn't I, like they like snuck out. They said bye everyone, and we were still
3: sitting around talking I, and drinking. I still felt a certain way about it because I was just like, yeah, and maybe I one day I want to do that which too. We, I was about to say which we have talked I would love about. To do Why that did one you day take too. personal
4: offense to that? It
3: wasn't personal offense. It was just like. Was that
4: necessary? Because I was, for me, I was very grateful. <laughs> Anytime anybody wants to pay for Charja Cell, please do. Please feel inclined to. Whether you let me know, you ain't got to let me know, or yeah. you can let me know if you ever want to pay for me. Yeah. Please do it. But I think you do not need my permission. The way
3: that that's happened, <laughs> I think the way sometimes that can be interpreted is kind of like, are you like trying to like flex your you know, like your so, wealth in some So way.
4: if they were, why would that bother you? It's
3: a little weird. Why would you need to flex your wealth? In front of people who are like your colleagues and like your friends. Like, you don't have to do that. If we're all we're not financial each other.
4: equals, though. Yeah, that's true. So we're if not. you feel
3: the need to. If you want to, cool. But I also think. Maybe a conversation I looked at about it that would have been I fine. looked at
4: it as a nice gesture. You it do was. not need my permission to pay for me Granted, ever. it was ever. a nice
3: gesture, but I also think you also don't have to flex yourself like that. So you like would have preferred this
4: person to have a conversation with you and say, Ryan, I'm going to pay for not your meal if me. you don't Everyone matter. Everyone being like,
3: want. hey, I'm going to take care of this because it's Archie's birthday. Instead of doing it in the sense of like, okay, y'all, yeah, I'm bouncing, but I also paid the bill. I think what difference would like, the conversation have made? Do just it, being like, oh, for yeah, someone to object and page. say, no, don't pay for me. No, everyone's on the same page. Everyone sees. But Ryan, it was a positive it. gesture. It why was, do we? But it's still weird. Why do we need to be on the same page? We for are you in a town where people brunch. flex their wealth just because they want to seem like they're somebody special. And for me, that just is like, well, are you doing I that because it's a nice gesture,
4: friend. or if you're doing it? I think that you are projecting, and you're making that gesture way bigger. Than I don't what it know. was.
3: I, I, okay, we're gonna continue this. I think you're conversation. making that way bigger
4: we're than what it was. We're gonna continue this
3: conversation because I don't think I'm I, also I, I I'm, think very, I'm, projecting.
4: I'm very honest with my bank account. I will tell you if you're planning True, I too. if you're planning a trip to France, I'm gonna tell you whether I can afford it or not.
3: <laughs> flat out. Okay. Straight up. I we're gonna keep this conversation going because it's very, very interesting. Don't go anywhere, y'all.
5: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q.
4: So, you all missed the we real
3: had real heated sh- discussion. The, the real show is behind the scenes. We
4: had That's a what heated
3: discussion um, off air because, it. I mean, I still think when we're talking about financial privilege and, and if you have a friend who is making more money and should they be entitled or uh, should they, you know, be taking on more of the check? And then we got into a discussion about, you know, a similar situation that kind of happened where someone surprised everyone by paying the bill and for me, that felt like it was a little bit of a flex.
4: And for me, I loved it and I looked at it for face value as what it was, which was a kind <laughs> gesture because this it person- It can be both, I think it can be this both. This person not is be? not a flexy type person in that's that not, way. That's not, I don't think I agree with that. Really, you think this person is about as flex? A, a little bit. Really? A little
3: bit, but I, I don't think that's a, a bad thing. I think if you okay. got it, cool, right. do it. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think sometimes we think, look at like a flex being a negative thing.
4: I do, because a flex seems ego driven and intentional.
3: It could I mean, you don't think that was a
4: No, I think ego-driven this and this is what Ryan and I were debating about. Ryan would have preferred this person to consult the, the entire party prior to paying for us. And I think that is right, ego-driven. Like
3: friend knew that it was happening, it was that, their brunch being like, oh, yeah. But I don't
4: think wear... the friend knew.
3: Yeah, no, they did. Right.
4: They did. I think that it would be ego-driven to stand up at a, in a restaurant during yeah. brunch and say, hey, everyone, I'm on my way out. By the way, I'll be taking care of the check. Because then, in essence, you're looking for verbal, I guess, affirmation of a, a, a thank you, Mr. Oh, Mister Dollars, Mr. Billion oh, yeah. Dollars.
3: Now, why you sound I, like you driving I really
4: appreciate it. <laughs>
3: No, it's not even that. It's just I don't think you see, I think that's where we're we're kind of divided because we're you're very going, divided you're on You're going this. into this like I drive well, no, and day. I'm being
4: sarcastic yeah. when I when I put on the voice. But I, I do, really I you know. do
3: think there is something to be said about someone just coming back out of nowhere, being like, all right, I'm grabbing my things and then you find out by just finding out the check is just right there and they're going. So, would you have looked at her? They're like full on get up and, you know, pump it out. So, you and sound it's just like, like that's an ego. Like, for you me, you sound that like the type of ego. person
4: that would be upset if Oprah gifted you a car in the audience at that. Oh, day. no, not
3: at all. Because I'm going to Oprah, and that's something she does all the time. Uh-uh.
4: No, she doesn't. Oprah didn't give away stuff all the time. But she had special she moments.
3: Not. If you got there spe- you know, on a special occasion, But, but see, you're happens. not in this person's
4: friend group. How do you know this person doesn't always do things Which like this? Which is
3: why I wouldn't have done that if I wasn't in a particular friend oh, group. Girl. That, you know, oh, girl. Oh, where They're used to that girl girl I just girl i'm just saying we're it.
4: just gonna have to agree to disagree why don't you all let us know what, what you think because <laughs> brian and i we're on the same page with a lot but we are not the same on the same page with this or instagram politics <laughs>
3: <laughs> Which, right, the Instagram conversation is another conversation for another show, we, and I still think I'm right about that. We have that. gotten
4: into spirited conversations <laughs> regarding some of these things, because I just, yeah.
3: This this is us on uh, FaceTime for seven hours, it, it is. just forgetting about it. It is. it is.
5: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q.
3: All right, it is time for our... Y- Yes, Queen, and it's going to uh, two women of color because, honestly, this is pretty iconic. For the first time in 200 years, Boston voters have narrowed the field of mayoral candidates of two women of color who will face off against each other in November. City Councilors Michelle Wu and Anissa Asabi George topped the five-person race in Tuesday's preliminary runoff. Um, They bested acting Mayor Kim Janey, city councilor uh, Andrea Campbell, and John Barrows, the city's former economic development chief. All five were candidates of color, a major shift away from two centuries of Boston politics dominated by white men um, and also... I will always go to uh, my girl Meredith Gray, you know, Ellen Pompeo. She says Boston is racist. Well, She's from yeah, Boston.
4: I was about to say, even even aside from that fictional character saying that, I was about to say, everyone that I know that is of color, that has lived in and or around Boston has yeah. all said the same thing. And it, it wow. echoes what, what Meredith with what Dr. Gray said.
3: Mm-hmm. Now, whoever <laughs> wins on November 2nd will make history in a city that has never elected a woman or Asian American wow. mayor. and. Yeah, like I said, for the past 200 years, that office has been exclusively held by white men. And it just seems really, really exciting. Wu, um, who I said, I wonder Michelle if she's related Wu. to Lisa. Huh?
4: I wonder if she's related to Lisa Wu. See,
3: depending on the context of that conversation could seem problematic. How? Because you're just like, Woo's. the Woo's are connected
4: well, to you. <laughs> well, no, but someone someone would say that about, like, the Jossells. I wonder if she's no, related to Char. Well,
3: other do you know that is a Jocel besides your family? Uh, you're right. Okay. That's fair. That's <laughs> now, fair. Now, Michelle Wu said this. I'm overjoyed that we are confident um, we've made the top two and are moving on to the final election. I just want to take a moment to honor and thank this historic field of candidates. An amazing moment for the city of Boston. I mean, big yes, so, queen, to them. So either way it's sliced, history will be made. Oh, period. Most definitely. And that is your yes, queen. We want to thank everyone for listening. Today was such a fun show. Sharjah said so I want to thank you always. You'll be back tomorrow, of course.
4: I will, and maybe I'll bring you lunch if that's not a problem. Please. Oh my gosh, if that's not a problem. A problem
3: but you asked. <laughs> you it. Now I'm. I'm expecting. You know, well, the, hate, well, then maybe I won't. I think that's it. I hate surprises. Okay, I here we surprises. go, Oprah. That's it, anyway. here we go Okay, Oprah right. does too. <laughs> uh, stick around, though, after the show for Love Line, where Dr. Chris will be covering healthy conflict and getting the sex you want, period. We need that. And then, of course, on tomorrow's show, we're talking heteronormativity, what it means and why it is harmful, according to experts. That is This sounds is so like a personal
4: more. attack, but we'll save it for tomorrow. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, my God. Y'all have a wonderful rest of your night. Bye, y'all.